party, everybody. Thank you for greeting one another, for caring about one another. It shows. I feel like we could do this all day. Some of you are like, I cannot do this all day, so get to doing your thing. Attention. Please find your seats. Please put your arms and seat for the whole ride. I don't know. They get people to listen there. They're like, we're not going with the ride if everybody doesn't put their arms in and buckle in. Morning, everybody. My name is Joe. I'm one of the pastors at Crossroads, part of the teaching team, and it's exciting to be here with you this morning. Whether you're able to make it here in person, which we always love, or those who needed to join us online, glad you could see us online. Uh, I'm excited for today because um, this series, One Another, is good. It, it reminds us that uh, sometimes it's easy to think about ourselves each day, but to think about one another is, is something we have to work at. Hebrews tells us this verse that we've been using for this series. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Sometimes you just have to think about it. You're like, what, what are some things that we could do? How could we be more like Jesus? How could we be a church who loves one another, who cares for one another, who encourages one another, who does the things that Jesus did? How can we do that in such a way that people go, oh, there's something different about them? Uh, so before we get too deep into our message today, I want to go back to the beginning, the beginning of time, if you've never read your Bible, or maybe you've tried reading the Bible and you started in Genesis, that's the beginning. Genesis literally means the beginning. So if people didn't believe in the Bible, then why does that word mean the beginning? Maybe it does. Webster said so. Uh, but in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1. So if you wanted to memorize a verse this week, in the beginning, God created heavens, the earth. Day one. That's the first thing he did. He's like, we've got to start somewhere. He spoke it into existence. He said, let's create these things. He said, let there be light, and he separated it from darkness, creating day and night. The second day, God created the sky. And the third day, the dry land, the seas, the plants, the trees. The fourth day, he said, let's put some lights up in the heaven. Let's put the sun to be the marker for the day and the moon for the night. You start to see God starting to create all these things. On day five, he creates all the animals in the sea and in the air. On day six, he creates all the animals on the land. And he's got cattle, and he's got sheep, and he's got lions and leopards, and maybe dinosaurs. I don't know. I don't really care, to be honest. It doesn't make a difference if I believe that Jesus lived or not. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't make a difference if Jesus died for my sins. So, yeah, dinosaurs, sure. Dinosaurs, no, I don't care. But I know that it says that God created all the animals, all of them. And after he made all those animals, maybe he made cats and you're excited because you're a cat person. <laughs> he made dogs and you're like, woo, woo, yeah, dogs. You find your favorite, right? But he didn't finish the day yet because he, he usually finished the day and he goes, that's good. So if you hate cats, you're like, definitely not good, right? But it, it was getting towards being good. And then God said, let us make man, one translation actually says, let us make mankind in our image and according to our likeness. And that's in verse 26. 
So you're like, cool. And God says, then it was great. And the day ends. But it's not until chapter two when you actually see how did he do it? What happened? Because all the other things God just said, make the sun, the moon. He, he spoke it all into existence, but that's not what happened when he created man. It's the only one where he goes into detail and says, this is actually how it happened. And it wasn't that I just said it. Every other time, God said it. From his breath, he says, let there be light. God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke it into existence. That's powerful. But with man, he said, I want I need to get into the middle of this a little bit more. This is more important because I'm not just making stuff. We're making man in our image. We're, we're making something from us. Genesis 2 talks about it. So in, in verse 7, it says, God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living person. This is the only one where God says, I'm putting my life into your life. I'm making you like me. All the others, your cat does not have the breath of God. It is not made in the image of God. Neither is your dog. Sorry, dog lovers. Only us. We're made in the image of God, and the breath of God is literally what powers our life. How many of you have ever taken a CPR class? You all know? Yes, yes. A lot of you, hopefully, if anybody needs something here, we got a lot of able people here, right? <laughs> Let's try not to have to have that happen. But as you take the CPR class, you realize that there's something important about putting the compressions in the heart, getting it to try to pump the blood through. But the reality is it, it often takes more. That oftentimes people are without the breath of life. And they need you to trade some, give them some of the breath of life so that they can begin to breathe again. Turn that motor back on inside. For the church to survive, for you and I to survive, it requires people regularly pouring into our lives, providing us the breath of life that comes from God. So today we're going to talk about encouragement. And how God has wired us to need encouragement. And that encouragement is part of God's plan for our life to continually be refilled. And the only way we can be refilled is that other people pour into our lives. That they speak the words of God into our lives. That they speak the encouraging things that God would say into our lives. It helps us to, to go. He's equipped his church to build each other up through encouraging words. He calls us to bear with one another through all the things in life. One way we do that is by encouraging others. Sometimes just hearing somebody's story and being there with them. Just so they know they're not alone. Sometimes just reminding them God is big enough and he sees you. He's going to be here with us in the midst of this. Sometimes it's easy to be discouraged by the, the trials in, in life. Discouragement is like a hole in the bucket. You're like, I, I felt great yesterday, but today I feel terrible. Why is that? Because the discouragement just keeps seeping the life, the encouragement out of your bucket. And it requires being refilled. It requires God pouring back into our life courage and strength to be able to do the things he's asking us to do. Because on our own, I'm just a leaky bucket. I need somebody to fill back in my life. Ephesians chapter 5. He's talking to this church in Ephesus, and uh, Paul's saying, hey, guys, 
Okay. <laughs> this, he, they're like us, right? He goes, I know you're trying to fill your buckets. He goes, but this is not how to do it. He goes, don't get drunk with wine. He goes, that doesn't fix the problem, guys. He goes, taking your mind off your pain doesn't fix the source of that pain. He goes, only, only I can. He says, so don't just get drunk. Instead, get filled with the Holy Spirit. He goes, if you need something to encourage you, if you need something to help you, let God's Spirit come in, and your hearts are going to overflow with a joyful song. Keep speaking to each other. This is the encouragement. He says, keep talking to each other. Keep encouraging each other with words of the Scripture, things that God has said, with psalms and praises, spontaneous songs. He says, as God fills you, you're going to have an opportunity to go and talk to each other and go, but do you remember what God said? He said he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. And you're like, oh, that's right. In the midst of these challenges that I'm going through, he's with me. Oh, when I'm weak, he is strong. He's going to be strong for me because I feel so weak right now. Or like, you can do all things. Maybe you've uh, seen Steph Curry's shoes. I can do all things through God who makes things possible, right? His power. Like Sometimes we just need to be reminded, like, the things I know that I can't do, with God's strength, I could do those things. And the only way we can do that is sometimes to tell each other, because encouragement, it's nourishment for our souls. It fills us up, and we desperately need it. And uh, Paul's talking to another church. He's like, hey, we all need this. So he's bouncing from church to church. He goes to the church in Thessalonica. He says, for God chose to save us through the Lord Jesus Christ, not to put his anger out on us, because Christ died for us so that whether we're dead or alive any returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you're always doing. What he's telling him, he's like, hey, I know this stuff is going to happen and bad things are going to come your way. And he goes, no matter when Jesus comes back, we need to remember this, that he died for us and he's got a better plan and a place for us that he's going to bring us with him and when is not the biggest important question he goes we need to be reminded and we need to be encouraged and the only way that happens is that we encourage each other we have to choose to do that we have to be bold to share what God says so I'm not this isn't even in the notes here if you don't know what God says it's going to be hard to tell other people what he says right so if you go like, why should I read the Bible every day? Not because you're checking the box to be a good Christian or whatever, but if you don't know what he says, that's a great opportunity to check out and go like, oh, I know what he says. I remember exactly what he says because I've been bringing it in every day. Every day I take a little bit. I take a few moments. I take some time and I go, oh, and I, maybe I read this story and go, but what does this story have to do with me? You should ask him. Every day I ask him, I say, God, would you help me understand what I'm reading in such a way that you would, like, shine a light? Help me to understand how I can apply something that I'm reading today. Because it's not about acquiring more knowledge. It's about my heart being changed. And for God to say, like, oh, you see how I love that person? I love you like that. Or do you see how they made these poor choices? I put that in here so you could see them and not do them yourself. Or do you see how these two guys are friends? I was just finishing reading um, where um, David and Jonathan were friends. And you're like, oh. And Jonathan, who was the son of the king, who should be the next king, 
saw that God had picked David to be king. And instead of getting mad at him or anything, Jonathan's like, I want to be your best friend. And I want to see you do exactly what God's called you to do. In fact, I'm willing to put my life on it. Because the natural things in us go like, no, this is my promise. This is my position. This is my thing. And Jonathan's like, oh, that's what God wants? I want to be a part of that. So sometimes I'll read that story and God will say, how can you be more like Jonathan? How can you support and encourage somebody that I've called and got a plan for instead of going, where's my plan? What's my thing? How about me? He goes, it's not always about you. So you can have a day and a moment where God says something to you that you would have never expected. And you read a story that maybe you've read before. But if you ask him, if you invite him into that conversation and say, God, what do you want to do? He will encourage you. He will show you something. Encouragement is the nourishment of our souls. Why we spend time with God is so we can know him and understand him more. Sometimes we just don't know how to say things to encourage people. But to be honest, you've been encouraged by people before. You know what it feels like when somebody says something to you. And you just like, you just feel like you can do more than you could before. When somebody's like, you can do this. You can do this. Let's go. And you're like, okay, yeah. Say it again. Say it again. Yeah, you could do this. You're like, all right. Sometimes you have to say it to yourself. You have to believe it. And But when somebody encourages you, are like, oh, I didn't think I could do it. Ralph Waldo Emerson said it like this. He said, our chief want is someone who will inspire us to be what we know we could be. So we just want people who will inspire us, who will help encourage us. I would go a step further, not that people quote me like they quote Ralph Waldo. I probably would have just been, went by Ralph Emerson, but apparently there must have been a lot of those, or he's like, you know, throw the Waldo in. Let him, let him know that I'm serious about this quote stuff. But I would go a step further than say that sometimes we have no idea what we could be. The idea that we want people to inspire us so that we can be what we know we can be, I think the reality is a lot of us don't have any clue what we could be. And we need people to inspire us and encourage us so that we can reach for more than we thought we could do. Because I'll tell you that a lot of times I set the bar too low for myself. Or I don't believe in myself because I'm so familiar with all my failures in my past. My track record is not as good. So I'm like, I don't know that I could ever do this or do that. Sometimes we give up too, too soon. We never get to the place that God would have us get to. We don't see ourselves like God sees us, and that's why we need others to encourage us. We need people to to put on the lens that Jesus sees us in and go like, oh, I see potential in you. Oh, I see all these possibilities. And then you start to go, really? Are they looking at what I'm looking at? You mean God loves me in spite of my failures in my past? Like he's never giving up on me? He still has a good plan for me? Oh, See, we just don't always see ourselves properly. There's a story this guy, Tony D'Amelio, wrote. It's called The Song of the Bird, and it goes like this. A man found an eagle's egg, and he put it in next to a barnyard hen. And the eaglet hatched with the brood of chicks and grew up with them. All his life, he did what the barnyard chicks did, thinking he was a barnyard chick. He scratched the earth for worms and insects. He clucked and cackled. And he would thrash his wings and fly just a few feet in the air, just a little bit off the ground, because that's what chickens were doing. 
Years passed and the eagle grew very old. One day he saw a magnificent bird flying through the air and he said to the other ones, what is that? What is that? It was flying with graceful majesty and among powerful windskirts. It, it barely beat its wings and was just flying. It was a strong golden wings. And the eagle looked up, who is that? The eagle was told by the, the chicken, that's the king of the birds. That's the eagle. He belongs to the sky. We belong to the earth. We're chickens. So the eagle lived and died a chicken, for that's what he thought he was. See, we all need people in our lives who will see God's true intention for us. Because I don't want to live my life as a chicken when God didn't make me to be a chicken. Some of you here today, like, this is the thing you need to hear. And I know it's not a verse, but God's made you to soar. He's made you to be an eagle. He has big plans for your life. And it's off of the ground. And we need each other to speak that life into each other. Just like when God breathed life into us to start. We need to breathe the life, the encouragement into each other that says, like, God sees you. And he knows your name. And he has a plan for you. From before you were born, he saw you in your mother's womb. And he was already coming up with and crafting the good things that he had for you to do. He's known you so long. He's loved you before you were alive. You start to go, oh, I'm feeling a little better about myself. Because that's what encouragement does. It is literally the charge. For some of you who are caffeine addicts, raise your hands. What is your day like without coffee? Man, less than, right? <laughs> encouragement for you, if this helps you in your understanding, encouragement is like coffee. It is that thing you go like, I can do so much more today, <laughs> right? You're like, oh, I can't start on my chores or do my work yet because I haven't had my coffee. Sometimes you need encouragement that regularly to go like, I need people in my life who will speak truth into my life and speak God's word into my life, and they will help me see things better than the way I see myself, it literally nourishes. It literally fills us up on the inside. It gives us strength. Stephen Covey said, treat a man as he is, and he will remain as he is. Treat a man as he can and should be, and he will become as he can and should be. How we treat other people, how we encourage other people, can make the difference on their destination. Where they're going to go in life can be so much we have the ability to impact that. So much. I can't even. Romans tells us to use all our energy. This is so important. He goes, hey, whatever you can do, use all our energy in getting along with each other. Help by encouraging other people with words. Don't drag them down by finding fault. He must have known the church in Rome that this church was like us. He goes, you know what? It's really easy to find the faults in each other. He goes, you could spend time going through those. He goes, but why don't you spend time encouraging each other instead? Because if we all spent time going through our faults, it would be all we talked about. And we would all feel like worthless, nothings, that who could never be done. <sighs> Jesus didn't talk like that. That's why. Instead of talking about what people weren't, he talked about who they could be. If you're unfamiliar with the story, there's a story in the Bible where he's talking to a guy named Simon. Simon was a guy who had been following him around because Jesus invited him to follow him around. In the 16th chapter of Matthew, Simon had been a guy who, in his life, he grew up as a part of like 
a lower middle class family. He wasn't well educated. He wasn't wealthy. They were blue collar workers. They went out to fish every day, all the time, and they didn't really make a lot. And that was his family history. He loved it. He liked it. He was fine with it. But there were moments where he had to go like, what if I could be like an eagle? What if I could do more? And you know what? He was never picked to be an eagle. When the opportunities came around to go like, hey, these rabbis who teach people and these rabbis who bring people in and say like, hey, you want to be a learner? You want to be a religious leader? For some reason, they never picked the fisherman boy. Maybe because he was in the wrong class or maybe because he had a smart mouth. (laughs) Because if you follow Peter's story, he does. He's a little quick, quick to act and sometimes... uh, quick to speak. He did chop a dude's ear off one time when they were trying to come get Jesus. Jesus is like, oh no. Let me put that back on. I'm so sorry. Like it was Mr. Potato Head. He did that. That's what the Bible says. He just put it back on. Sorry. I don't know if he licked it or what. He just like glued it back on. He's like, anybody got duct tape? But it says that they put that guy's ear back on and that guy's life was changed forever. Because if anybody's ever cut off your ear, you're like, anybody here? No, I'm kidding. Uh, that was Peter. He, wanted to f- he loved Jesus. He wanted to fight for him, protect him. And Jesus was like, bro, this is not what we do. We're not here to fight the government. We're not here to chop people's ears off. This is not how we're going to wage our war. Because sometimes we, we think we know how the battle is supposed to go. And Jesus is like, oh, I'm going to do it all. He goes, I'm going to lose on purpose. He goes, I'm fighting a totally different battle. This is not my kingdom here. I'm not trying to win the war here. I'm not trying to overthrow the government like you want to. He goes, I'm saving the whole world. My plans are so much bigger and so much deeper. And sometimes we're out in the middle swinging swords. And he's like, please put the swords down. Let's just encourage some people and do some things differently. So Peter, this is Peter. This is, in fact, he was just known by Simon for so long. And, uh. Jesus actually changed his name to be Peter. That wasn't his birth name. Uh, Jesus said, talk to them. He's like, who do you think I am? They go through this whole thing, and Peter's like, you're God's son. I get it. And this is what uh, he says in uh, Matthew 16. Jesus said, hey, Simon, the fact that you get this, like, wow. He said, you're blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven showed you this. He goes, I didn't tell you, I didn't say it to you in a certain way. You didn't get it out of your cereal box as a magic prize. He goes, God showed you that, I, that him and I, that we're one, that I'm the son of God. He goes, you didn't learn this from anybody else. I'm going to say to you this. You're Peter. It means you're the rock. For a guy who never felt like much, for somebody who you know to be God, and you just figure that, he goes, I'm changing your name. You thought you were a chicken. He goes, you are a rock. He goes, you are strong. You're not like a pebble in somebody's shoe, rock. You're like the foundation. You're like this big stone that we could use to build everything off of. That's the Greek word that's actually used there. It's like a foundation stone. You know, have you ever heard where they said Jesus was the cornerstone? That all this, he gives that same idea to Peter. He goes, you're like this huge rock. We could build this foundation. We could build a church on this. We could change the world. And you're going to be in the center of it, Peter, because you are strong. 
Jesus renamed Simon, who we now know as Peter. He tells him, you're a rock. You're sizable. You have impact. The words that you have to say will help shape and change our world. See, Jesus saw Peter for who he could be, not who he was. We slip back. It's all through the, if you, if you haven't read much of the New Testament, these things are in here where it says, you should talk like this and not like this. You should talk like this, not like this. Because we struggle at how to talk, how to talk to each other. In Ephesians, see, he's talking to all the churches. He's literally like, hey, guys, maybe you should be nice to each other. Hey, maybe you should encourage each other. Hey, and if he talks to the church in Ephesus, it's the Ephesians, he says, hey, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Why was he saying that? Because that was what's coming out of their mouths. He says, but only what's coming out of your mouth, let it be helpful for building others up according to their needs. Sometimes I feel like I just have to say stuff because I need to, I, I, for my needs, right? He's like, oh, stop saying all the stuff that you don't need to be saying. Say something that's actually going to build somebody up and help them. It's based on what they might need, not on what you need. Maybe you're like, I would love to spend time and tell them the things that God says for them, but what I really need to do is go to lunch. What I really need to do is the chores that I had planned out for my day. What I really need to do is go get coffee. What I really need to do is, he goes, it's about their needs, not about my needs. Jeez. See, your words have the power to affect the direction and the quality of other people's lives. When he says build each other up, that Greek word, it's, it's literally like a word picture of like putting bricks on bricks and building a strong wall. Something to protect you. Something to be strong so that the enemy can't crush through you. We have an amazing opportunity that our creator has given us. The power to encourage, to literally breathe life into somebody else. We can choose to be the wind in somebody's sails. Or be like the punch in the gut where you've lost all your breath. If you've ever had that before, where like all the wind in your body feels like it's all emptied at once and you can't find it again. It, it's a bit scary and a bit um, scary. Because you, you're trying to breathe back in air and you can't. It's when we need other people to breathe life into us. We go through seasons in our life where we try to encourage ourselves and can't. We try to do all the things that we need to do, and we still feel empty, like we can't get up off the ground. It's why we need community. It's why we need one another. Because we have the power to breathe life back into each other, to encourage one another if we choose to. There's this nice young lady who uses a great illustration about uh, encouragement. It says, it's not flattery or empty praise. It's like verbal sunshine. My wife loves sunshine. Like these warm days where the sun is out, she's like, this is like the best day. <laughs> I was talking with Jackie earlier, and she was like, I just 
so hope I don't have to get called into work because this day is so beautiful. Like there's just something that the sun does to you, that vitamin D, that thing that you just are like, oh, I, I love this day. The day is just, the sun's out. You're like, it's just a normal day. But it's not a normal day. And you know. Encouragement's not like flattery or empty praise. It's like verbal sunshine. It costs nothing, and it warms other people's hearts and inspires them with hope and confidence. Have you ever heard somebody say, that person's like a breath of fresh air? We're supposed to be that. That's what the church is supposed to be for each other. Maybe it's not natural for you. Maybe it's easier to be critical than to encourage. Maybe we just need to pause and reflect on a time when somebody encouraged us and how it felt. How you felt the warmth of that sunshine. How you felt like that breath of fresh air because somebody poured life into you. Usually, when you can understand it for yourself and how much it meant to you, you're more encouraged to do it for others. You know, Paul wrote all those verses to the churches. Paul still needed encouragement himself. In fact, when Paul was new to the whole church thing, because he started off kind of on the wrong foot, there was one guy who was his encouragement, his mentor. His name was Barnabas. Barnabas actually has a nickname, the son of encouragement. What would, wouldn't that be like the kind of nickname you would want? Like, that you do something so much that everybody's like, that person is just like that. And it was a good thing? Well, Barnabas invites Paul because Paul's kind of new to the whole church thing. He'd done church but done it all in the wrong way. He'd done it where he was oppressing Christians, where he was putting them down. He didn't understand Jesus at all. And as he was new to it, Barnabas said, come with me. And on their first missionary journey, it was Barnabas doing the church building, the church encouragement, and Paul going like, oh, this is how it goes. Oh, this is what we do. Oh. And Barnabas was his mentor. He was his coach. He was his trainer. He was somebody showing him, like, this gift that God has given us, this is how we encourage people with. This is how we help them. This is how we tell them about the truth of Jesus and see their lives changed. Well... Barnabas had a younger cousin. His name was John Mark. Mark, actually the Mark who wrote the book of Mark. And they brought him on one of their missionary journeys. And for some reason, the Bible doesn't say what it is, John Mark said, I, I got to tap out. I got to go. I can't do this anymore. And I don't know if he was tired or hungry or afraid or all the things that we feel. But he said, I just need out. And so he left. Paul and Barnabas took it two different ways. Paul felt like you abandoned us and when we needed you and you're not committed as us, you don't care about this, you need to grow up, son. And you know what Barnabas said is? He just needs another chance. He can be more. We just need to believe in him. We just need to encourage him and help him. And so when they came for another missionary trip, you know what they said? Let's go. And Barnabas says, hey, baby, before we go, 
I think John should come with us. I know, and Paul's like, no, not happening. That guy's just going to come and quit. He's going to drag it down. We don't need that. And Barnabas says he can do it. I believe in him. They disagreed so much that they actually split up. That these guys who were great partners said, all right. So Paul actually took Silas, and they went this way. And Barnabas took John Mark, and they went that way. Sometimes God actually works through those moments. This is actually a biblical term called multiplying. <laughs> they went from one team to two teams. They went to one location to two locations. The fact that Paul was being stubborn and he didn't see the best in him was an area he still needed to grow in. He was still young in his faith and in this whole thing. But his heart was in a good place. He wanted people to be committed like he was committed. But he didn't have the ability to see the best in Mark and who he could become. And Barnabas did. I know that I've been in places in my life where I needed somebody to encourage me because I didn't feel like or think that I could be what I was. I mean, I remember there's, there's no way that I would have gotten to the different places or the different heights in my life without the encouragement along the way of people telling me I could be more. I could do what God had called me to do. That encouragement helped me get there. Funny, it also probably kept me from the NBA. I was a college basketball player, and encouragement really messed up my free throw percentages because this really cute girl was on the sidelines, and regularly she was like, Coach O! While I was shooting free throws. Believe it or not, it was a little distracting. It's why you still see those fans when people are trying to shoot free throws. They're usually waving. They're usually not saying, like, go. They're usually like, no, or you stink, or go away, or waving. You're not number one signs, or whatever they do. <clears throat> but this girl who I knew believed in me was yelling, go, Joe, and it distracted me. I would start to think about her instead of thinking about that. So I decided to give up the NBA and marry that girl instead. It did work out for me. It did work out for me. We did miss out on the millions in my NBA contracts, but we're still happy. But if you're going to get to the heights that God has for you in your life, it's going to require people coming alongside and encouraging you. And for them to get to those places, the people around you, the people in your family, the people at your work, the people in your community, the people here at this church, it requires all of us to encourage one another, to nourish each other's souls by speaking the things of God into them, by taking that breath of life that he's giving us and being willing to speak it into other people's lives. I mean, who wouldn't want a little verbal sunshine every day? Imagine how our world would be different if we were people who encourage people every day. Jason, you guys want to come up? I'd like you guys to pause for a minute and think about this. Before you leave today, think about this. Who could you encourage today? If you ask yourself that question, God will help you fill in the blank in your head. It doesn't even take but a second. Who could I encourage today? 
Who can you breathe life into and build up today? Who can you encourage at your home? Who can you encourage at your job or at your school? Who can you text or call this week to encourage? Sometimes people are away. They're not close to you anymore, but they could use a word of encouragement. And the breath of God, the encouragement of God can go through your phone still. Have you ever had somebody call you and like, they didn't know why they needed to call you, but they just needed to call you. And it was right at the right moment, the right time. Somebody might be on the other end needing your call this week. Somebody may be at the point where they're wanting to give up on something that God has for them. And they just need somebody who cares about them enough to say, you can do it. I'll come alongside you. I believe in you. I'm not giving up on you. God's not giving up on you. He has a plan for you. And just because you stumbled, just because you fell, doesn't mean he's changing his mind about you. I'd like you to continue to think through that as, as, as we play this song.
our words, we don't waste our breath, but that we choose to be people of encouragement, that we would choose to encourage one another, that the breath of life that lives in us, instead of falling to the ground or being critical or negative, we choose to use it to build other people up. We choose to encourage people. We choose to let it be the nourishment that their soul cries out for, that they need desperately. Today, Jesus, we commit to be people who will encourage have a choice with this breath that you've given us, and we choose to surrender it back to you and use it in the way that you intended for us to do. We hear your word today. We hear that you're saying, this is the life I've given you, and here's how I'm asking you to use it. Jesus, I say yes. We say yes. Go ahead and do that today. Say yes, Jesus. I choose to use my breath the way you've given it to me to use. I choose to encourage others. So before I dismiss you, I'm going to let them sing that again. But I'm also going to ask you to physically encourage somebody before you leave today. And if you are a shy person, I'm going to ask you not to leave until somebody gets an opportunity to encourage you or you encourage others. It can be life-changing. I speak out of personal experience that my life has been changed because people have encouraged me. It's something we all need. If you're like, I just don't feel like it because my tank is empty, you desperately need it and you desperately don't want to leave. But I would encourage you this week to be thinking about opportunities every day. Who can I encourage? How can I encourage? God will speak to you and he'll show you. So please go ahead and start encouraging each other. Guys, lead us again, please. <laughs>